Welcome to the Two Tokens Podcast. During these episodes, we will invite guests onto our show and discuss everything token related. You can expect to hear about token business models, the underlying technology stack, token governance, but also more mainstream topics such as NFTs. Does this sound interesting to you? Then make sure you subscribe and keep listening. And now, on to the episode. Okay, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to the Two Tokens Podcast. We have a veritable uh, bevy of experts here today to talk about MICA and other aspects of cryptocurrency and blockchain legislation. I'm joined by Willem Jan and Karsten. Uh, guys, why don't you introduce yourself? Willem Jan. Thank you, uh, Ryan. Yeah, my name is Willem Jan Smits. I'm a lawyer uh, working at Watson Law, and I'm specialized in uh, crypto regulation. And uh, Karsten, how about yourself? Thank you. Uh, great to be here. My name is Karsten Bruinsma. Uh, I'm working at CMS in Amsterdam. Also a lawyer, so you're having two lawyers in front of you <laughs> today. Uh, yeah, and I'm active uh, in the fintech uh, sphere, uh, giving advice to a lot of token companies, uh, crypto uh, registrations where we're assisting with. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's what I do. Okay, I think I was justified when I said we've got a, a room full of experts. Uh, I'm ranking, I'm head of business development at Dusk Network. Uh, so we're a zero-knowledge proof uh, compliance and privacy built-in uh, layer one blockchain platform. And I'm happy to be talking to you guys today. Now, let's just assume for a second that everybody listening in is uh, relatively new, uh, relatively unfamiliar with the legislation. Let's go back from the, from the very beginning. Let's talk about MICA. That's the big one that everybody's been discussing at the moment, the markets and crypto assets legislation. Uh, Willem Jan, can you give us a bit of an introduction about what MICA is and what does it cover? Yeah, so MICA is a regulation that covers basically the entire EU crypto market. Till date, we don't have any real crypto uh, regulation uh, and this, uh, this piece of legislation will cover the entire market. What we see in traditional markets uh, uh, for the issuance and listing of tokens uh, for... Um, uh, for uh, giving advice, etc. There's, there's a lot of legislation about that as well as market abuse. Uh, those are all uh, um, developed over the last 30 years. And now we see this for crypto as well. So it's a piece of legislation that will cover the entire market. And so let's together dive into, uh, uh, into it. And maybe, Kasten, you can, uh, you can tell something about uh, a little bit of crypto regulation that is already in place with, uh, with AML uh, and sanctions regulation. Yeah, sure. Uh, different from the, uh, the upcoming MICA legislation, uh, uh, you are talking about the traditional financial instrument, instruments that are regulated uh, in Europe and in the Netherlands. Uh, and there's now only an AML uh, kind of check on these crypto exchanges in the Netherlands and in Europe. Uh, and these uh, crypto companies uh, offer crypto wallets or the services for exchange. And what is now the case, uh, they all need a registration in every European country and to perform these AML and sanctions checks. And if they receive such a, a registration, they can offer these services in these countries. Uh, yeah, and this uh, gives a lot of hassle to these, con uh, to these companies because they have to go through this process in every country. Uh, and this is something what WICA hopefully uh, will solve. Uh, yeah. it will be possible to passport uh, these services to other European countries. 
And that's something that is uh, not the case at the moment. So very useful indeed. Certainly good for the good for the future. And it makes sense as well, doesn't it? Because we we talk, I mean, of course, this is something that happens in countries all over the world. The, the US has its various regulations and China has its regulations, but but those countries very much operate as singular nation states. We're talking about a multinational trading block that somehow is not unified at this uh, digital level. Um, do we think this creates uh, a bright future for crypto in Europe, or does it go the other way and perhaps uh, may maybe discourage innovation? Willem Jan, what do you think? Um, yeah, to, to take it a, a little bit of a step uh, to st a step back, what, what we now see and what Carsten really mentions is that there is a, really a patchwork of, uh, of crypto regulation in the EU. So uh, there is a directive that is indeed implemented in 27 member states, uh, but it's implemented in a, in a very different way. Some countries are very strict such as the Netherlands, France, but there are also countries that are much less strict. Um, there are even countries that, that have their own blockchain laws, such as uh, Germany, Malta, uh, Estonia. Um, with uh, with uh, uh, MICA, this, this, um, the most of this will, will most probably disappear in, in the long term. So we see uh, yeah, just a level playing field, and that's what we obviously like to see as, as lawyers, so our clients can uh yeah visit all europe and, and and get into the entire market um preferably what's the ultimate goal is that that there will be a global uh legal framework for crypto because these markets aren't uh only in europe they are, are worldwide but i think that's utopia for uh, for the next uh, uh decades um but but yeah to answer your questions i think that in the long run this is this is something very good for uh, for the industry um, uh, legal clarity and, uh, and and the same legal framework, um, uh, but yeah, there, there there have to be ironed out a lot of um, yeah small things before we uh, before we are there. Right, indeed. Uh, and Carson, you're also handling MICA and current DNB registration uh, requests from clients, presumably. Um, yeah. How do you find those two? Are in is there a lot of confusion about how those interact? Is it fairly clear? Do you feel that there's been a good job made of explaining this to, to, to the public? How, how, how are your clients dealing with this at the moment? Uh, uh, no, there's a lot of uncertainty at the moment uh, because uh, how it is now stated, uh, like the uh, crypto registration will, will stay there and will uh, be next uh, besides the, uh, the other requirements in MICA. And what we see in traditional uh, European uh, financial legislation is that this will be uh, included into one uh, license uh, application uh, but for now this is not clear and we uh, yeah, get a lot of questions also from parties that, that want to enter the markets in Europe in the Netherlands from for instance uh, the US or Canada uh, yeah, they ask us can we wait until MICA comes in and we can passport our services to all the other countries in Europe, or do we still have to do the, like the AML registration in all those separate countries? Right. Uh, and there's no real guidance uh, on this. So this is something that really uh, uh, needs to follow in the next few months uh, to give all the market parties uh, the certainty uh, yeah, on that topic. Indeed, this is one of the crinkles that needs to be sort of ironed out. I mean, there's no point having this unified system if we still have these separate systems, it reminds me of an old, I think it was, um, it was one of the American presidents uh, who joked about, he said, 
who do I call if I want to speak to Europe? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sort of. So we, we, as, as, as we mentioned before, we, we, we very much what this whole European project about, right, is creating these multinational opportunities, a, a market of what, 450, 455 million people, single largest GDP in the world. It's a great opportunity, but you have to be able to have one set of laws, one set of regulations that works across the whole country. And this also comes down to uh, back to our compliance issues as well, doesn't it? Like, how do we integrate that uh, into into technology itself, uh, or how do our how do our clients sort of work on that from a license and registration perspective? Um, so, big crinkle to work out. Let's talk about any other crinkles you've spotted, uh, Vilmian. Do you have anything particular that uh, maybe concerns you or, or even interests you? Yeah, there there are, there are quite some things, but maybe it's it's nice to pick pick out a couple uh, um, and and run through the different you know pillars of uh, of Mica. Um, maybe good to mention this, you know, the, the issuance and listing of of crypto assets is, is obviously an important point, also for like you mentioned for uh, for the for the audience of two tokens, um, uh, stable coins. Uh, um, um, so crypto asset service providers and uh, um, um, marked abuse uh, part. So, Kasten, um, if you want to pick one, so uh, um, yeah, maybe yeah, maybe the market abuse is something. Uh, that's a good one. Yeah, no, it's. I think that's very important for the crypto and and token scene. Uh, uh, yeah, to have that uh, like, like more professionality on that on that side uh, because. Uh, Crypto is sometimes the people around uh, are yeah, stating that it's uh, right money laundering with it and uh, and other other things is very good for the crypto sphere. I think to to have this uh, yeah more professional rules and to have the consumers protected, uh, yeah, especially with insider trading, uh, trading market abuse. To have this uh, on a level that is. That is that we used to in the in Europe, and with all the traditional financial instruments. Yeah, a, a great point there. Uh, it's it's a very good uh, uh, good thing you mentioned that. Indeed, uh, yeah, we don't have to uh, uh, have to avoid this issue. There, we know that there is a lot of uh, insider trading and uh, um, and and mark manipulation going on in the market. Maybe not so so much anymore on, on really large centralized platforms, but in any case, in the in the decentralized part, um, uh, the AML part is being uh, uh, covered, so to say, uh, already in the last couple of years. But but this is really the first step towards uh, market abuse, right? Um, and if you compare it to the traditional markets, it's it's thousands of pages of legislation, and in my guy, it's uh, it's only three or four articles, so it's. It's it's the first step. Yeah, um, doable. Yeah, it's doable for the market. That that's a good thing, but uh, yeah, you can already uh, figure out that that Mica two will uh, will be there in a couple of years, and that this this matter will be um, yeah expanded far beyond what uh, what we see now. Uh, and I think the chairperson of the AFM already mentioned it that that this is an issue that she believes is not uh, not covered appropriate by uh, by Mica because there's barely any. Um, Reporting uh, on uh, on transactions and manipulation, so that the the NCAs can't look into what what's happening, and and I believe they don't really have a, a good feeling about the markets on that on that uh, point yet. But it's a first step, and um, I'm yeah, 
like with with any market you have to you have to start somewhere yeah you have to start somewhere um i think we had a couple of discussions we've we've chatted a few times before about how it seemed sort of almost like that uh that final draft of mica was almost just kind of getting something out of the door right uh, similar to how startups build like a very early version of a tech product and it's it's terrible right but it, it performs one or two bits of functionality that you can build on in the future it was it was um if i remember correctly right at the end of um france's presidency correct yeah in was june it, was it almost the last day or the last close? two days yes right so get the business done before we hand over the presidency make sure we get the the credit almost let's be honest maybe probably that that, that will will be there as well yeah yeah, yeah maybe to 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 put that in a, a little bit in a framework uh, September 2020, the commission uh, issued the mm. first draft on uh, on uh, on Mica, uh, basically setting the the, the goalposts. Um, and uh, later this year, uh, yeah, earlier this year, sorry, uh, in March, the Parliament, the European Parliament, came with uh, with amendments and with uh, with uh, basically a report on that. That's that's the 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 yeah, basically the final uh, draft that the last version of the draft that we know at this moment, um, and then. Uh, the three institutions of uh, of the European Union, so the Parliament, the Commission, um, uh, and the Council, they they entered into a trilogue discussing these two drafts uh, and coming up with a political deal, um, and that I, I feel has been pushed uh, indeed uh, to to a deal before the summer, while not everything was uh, was was covered correctly. Um, and at this moment, they're working out the final draft, so we don't know it. Um, it's quite yeah. Still, still could be some surprises. Definitely, yeah. I and mean, hopefully not big ones, but still, still possible. Um, yes, exactly. I think that was that was a great point to make. As you say, was it was sort of coming to an end. Of, I think you use the word political deal. Yeah. Like ultimately, at the end of the day, two people just need to reach across the table and shake hands and say, "Let's three just get this, this out." Yeah. <laughs> three, <laughs> sorry, three yeah. people have to somehow shake hands and get it out the door. Um, I remember when it came out, there was a few question marks, a few things popped up the sustainability requirements were sort of kind of kicked kicked down the road maybe i suppose would be a nice way of uh, of, of interpreting it and the, the blacklist and the stablecoin cap these all popped up along with a handful of other things uh Carsten, was there anything about final draft of mica that uh, particularly surprised you or did you think it was a fairly good deal at the end of the day um yeah so we we're not 100 sure what it's in there. We only know the, yeah, the the final draft, and I think uh, this week was published that in four to six weeks we will have like the final draft. So we hopefully uh, that hopefully takes away some of the uncertainties. Uh, yeah, but one of the topics I think at the end they were still discussing to uh, include include NFTs or uh, whether they should be included, and for now they are not included. Uh, yeah, and. It's something that I think will stay the same, but we, we're not 100% sure. Yeah. It could be that it has been changed uh, in the last few months. Yeah, that's something uh, I'm curious about. Yeah, It's very curious. Now, I'm interested in your opinions on this, because this is not meant to be at all a criticism, of course, of you guys. I mean, a criticism of the system, <laughs> but also just an observation. This is one of the things we see run into when we talk about technology meeting legislation is legislators, politicians move very slowly. Technologists and builders move very quickly. So we talk about NFTs. NFTs is a great point. 
If you think about the time from basically when almost nobody outside of a very small niche group of people had even heard of an NFT, who even knew what the word fungible meant, we don't use it very commonly in English, right? To this craze. And you think this is probably shorter than the period of time between a Micro 1 and a Micro 2. So the real question here is, will this legislation always be playing catch up? Yeah, I think, yeah, with legislation, it is a bit like this. And maybe, uh, yeah, to add on your point, it is not even necessary to uh, regulate NFTs uh, in a few years. Uh, maybe they're not, <laughs> yeah, we don't know. Uh, but it's it's a fair point to say that, that the legislator is always a bit behind uh, the practice, yeah. Yeah, I think per definition in, in, yeah. te in tech law, right, the, 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 the law lags behind technology uh, market goes so fast so that that's that's here as well and um and the, the nft part it's it's a good point um i think if the the legislator could start over they would most definitely include it uh this but if you if you look at at how it's excluded currently in the last draft then uh it's really debatable whether where it's uh, not 95 percent of nfts fall fall in the scope of, uh, of mica because they're they're really talking about non-fungible um and what we see at uh, with most nfts is that they are launched in in a series of sometimes thousands or even ten thousand tokens which are then uh in most cases fungible with each other within the series so so it's in my opinion debatable whether those are uh, uh non-fungible tokens within the meaning of uh of, of mica and also uh, it stated there that that they shouldn't be listed on an exchange, um, which is well, I think you should consider OpenSea and those kind of platforms as, as an exchange. Um, yeah. Then you know ninety five percent of of NFTs are actually meant as as investment objects, not in the in the legal sense of the word, but you know, in, in common sense of the word. Mm -hmm. uh, and and it's a good thing that that they are, that those types of tokens are are indeed covered in my opinion under under my no real reason to let them out and i think um yeah that's that's a good point to make for for ncas to uh, uh to inter interpret the uh, the draft in such a way that they are actually included but let's wait how what what the final text will look on this matter that's a great that's another that leads into another great point so ncas people listening national competent authorities are sort of the body within the the member state that's then responsible for enforcing this, you're kind of sheriff's deputies, if you will. Um, what kind of leniency, if any, will they have um, in interpreting this law vis-a-vis -vis their European counterparts, do you imagine? Will there be a lot of leniency or will it be very clear they just have to execute the work that they've been told to do? Um, yeah, no, they have some uh, independency on that, especially I think with the license uh, that will be granted and uh, you also see that with like the investment firm licenses in, in europe there are some differences uh, between uh, the countries in, the, in europe uh, but for instance the uh, white paper that should be published uh, mm. with the issuance of uh, of certain tokens uh, yeah they have only the authority to reject it uh, so there's no uh, it's, it's different than we used to with the prospectus. 
and the issuance of securities uh, in Europe. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious uh, how this will will work in practice. I think there's only an obligation to uh, share your white paper 20 days before publication uh, with the authority. And they yeah, can just only reject it, uh, but not uh, yeah, there's no real discussion between the uh, authority and, and the issuing parties. Yeah. It's an interesting point. I'm, I'm really curious what, what's going to happen here because under AMLD5, uh, the registration, what we discussed uh, in the beginning of this, this conversation, uh, in, in the actual directive, there's only a few lines about this registration thing. And, and it, in Europe, it basically turned out as a, uh, as a licensing obligation, right? Especially if you look at the Netherlands, uh, DMB goes line by line through hundreds of pages of, uh, of documentation um and and you know says uh, uh what you should on what points you should uh, amend it etc i view it in practice as 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 a, as a licensing obligation um what's here in the text is that that i'm i'm, I'm curious how, how how the ncas are going to handle this because you know if you if you see that someone can reject it you know that they can reject a, a white paper then uh, yeah, that's basically the opposite is approve it. They can just, you know, reject it if they don't like it and say, okay, if you don't amend this, we will reject it. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to, uh, uh, to, to see the stance of, uh, uh, of, the, of the NCAs and whether there will be a difference between, between member states. There shouldn't be because everything yeah. is, is, you know, looking to, to get a level playing field. Um, but we, we, yeah, also in traditional markets, we see... Uh, regulatory arbitrage, so that that will be the result if the uh, if there's one NCA interpreting things or just uh, on a, in another way than uh, than the other one. Yeah, it could do, be you, the, also you, do you see this? Uh, yeah, no, it, it, I agree with you that uh, with traditional markets and 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 licenses, there are some differences uh, between the 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 countries and the supervising authorities. There shouldn't be, but there are. Um, yeah, so indeed, it's, it's yeah, uh, yeah, I'm curious to see uh, how this will end up in, the, in practice. Yeah. We'll know in a, in, in, in a few years. In a few, <laughs> yeah, a few weeks, but probably... Uh, I think a few years yeah, before yeah, it's, yeah. It's, uh, it's in practice. Yeah, yeah. no, uh, indeed, yeah, it is expected, I think, in the first half year of uh, 2024. Uh, yeah, so, and, and I think another... Um, uh, interesting point on uh, on on issuing tokens and and getting them uh, listed on exchanges is uh, um, the liability of uh, uh, of issuers for for white paper. Um, typically, um, you know, no, let's say it this way. Uh, in my guide, it is stated that you cannot um, uh, limit your liability as an issuer. On this uh, on this point, so an issuer of uh, of a token or a token that wants uh, to have its token admitted to uh, uh, to a trading platform has to issue um, a white paper uh, and publish it. If there is anything in there that that isn't appropriate, and and on the basis yeah. of that, someone takes a decision to buy those tokens and uh, is damaged, th that liability cannot be limited. Um, but that that not only goes for tokens that are issued by a certain party. This also goes for tokens that are, uh, or crypto assets that are uh, uh, just listed on, on a platform and don't have an identifiable issuer. So for instance, Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, if a platform wants to, uh, wants to 
uh, add Bitcoin to its as a trading pair, then it has to publish a white paper. And also there it goes that it cannot limit its liability for for this white paper. So I'm um, yeah that that is quite a harsh uh, harsh thing. Um, and maybe custom we should uh, together work out uh, a brilliant white paper. Uh. Oh, that's yeah, indeed. That is a very good idea. And yeah, yeah, I'm very curious to see because the yeah the the platform will for sure uh, take away all the liability uh, for those white papers. Uh, so yeah, yeah, there will be a big role for lawyers, I guess, to uh, yeah to assist with that because there's no real party probably sometimes uh, that can take the responsibility and the platforms don't want to take the responsibility uh yeah, yeah. so that's uh, something we have to see how this uh, how this will uh, will end up yeah it's a, it's a bit of a strange strange thing of course uh um you know requiring just the trading platform to uh, uh to issue information on on on, on these assets um Especially since they the, since they are out there already for such a long time, and it it really places European uh, service provider or European exchange platforms in a, in a in a weaker position than than uh, out, outside counterparties. Definitely, definitely, it's a it, it was a, it also struck me a little bit as a very strange. I mean, why would you as a trading platform? Why would you want to be responsible for something that you have no control over whatsoever? It's uh, it's insanity, but anyway, um, quick word, and I mean a very quick word, because I'm aware of the fact the people listening in, of course, won't know, but we're recording this on the same day as the Ethereum merge. So uh, proof of work um, was another thing we saw maybe some some future direction towards. Where do you see that going in terms of MICA? Is this a MICA 2? Is this a 1.5? Is this an investigative committee at some point? Um, yeah, the, 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 um, in the European Parliament there has been uh, a debate and there has been a proposed amendment to, to uh, include a, a ban of proof-of-work consensus algorithm um, in, in this regulation. In my opinion, that would be catastrophic, place uh, the, the EU completely out of the, out of the market. It's, it's absolutely no market practice. And, uh, it has no place in financial regulation. Um, luckily, this this didn't make it, um, and uh, instead, uh, various parties that are touching uh, crypto assets with uh, with proof of work consensus algorithms have to provide information on that. Fair enough, uh, and it will be um, included in the in the European uh, ESG tax taxonomy. Um, I'm not an expert on that. Just mentioned that you were advising on that, so maybe you can. Yeah, no, there's still, uh, we discussed the European legislation process and this is like the European sustainability uh, regulations are also uh, the last few years. Are they still in draft? Yeah, no, there are in, in force, but okay. there are still a lot of technical standards that are yeah. not uh, like worked out. So yeah, the same uncertainty is there as well. Yeah, so we, we don't know yet how this will be combined especially as well with the uh, crypto legislation yeah okay yeah well, as i understand mm -hmm. it this will be mostly information uh, yeah. that has to be provided yeah and there there we're not quite past this point because there there will be an evaluation by the commission on this uh, on this topic uh, i believe in 36 months after um uh, 
the regulation uh, is so, in yeah. force. Uh, but uh, you know, this 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 thing doesn't come from from the commission. So um, you know, it's 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 not an idea that that is that is uh, their ownership. Um, so from that angle, I've I've good hopes that uh, uh, that it that it that it in fact will end here. But uh, there will be yeah, like I said, there will be an evaluation, and and this this matter will pop up in 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 approximately uh, three years. Okay, well, I guess we'll probably have to meet back in three years <laughs> and talk about it. Final final thing to mention then. So I think it's very interesting. I mean, from a from a meta, almost a meta perspective, that we're sitting here talking about a a piece of legislation, and yet the consequences of this, at least what we've been talking about, is all along the lines of uncertainty, right? So we've been talking about the drafting of a law, and yet most of the topic of our conversation has been uncertainty. So we have this uncertainty. We also have a lot of possibilities, a lot of different ways it can go ahead in the future. I'd love to get your very, very quick opinion on if this is, what, what do you see? Is it an overall positive and overall negative? Where does it take the market, Karsten? Um, I'm quite, quite positive about it. I think uh, uh, it will make the, the crypto market more professional uh, and it will be, uh, seen more as a, like a traditional uh, investment product, and I think that is that can only be positive, uh, yeah, for all the crypto companies and the yeah and the crypto uh, yeah world. Right. Yeah. So I'm uh, I'm very positive about that. Yeah. yeah I I agree with with Carsten. If we if we look at this back to this moment, I guess in in ten years time. Um, probably we'll be discussing Mica three by uh, by then. <laughs> um, I think that 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 Mica will have have a positive impact on on the market, um, a less patchwork, um, uh, better protection for consumers, uh, better market integrity, uh, also uh, more institutional parties entering the market, uh, really using this technology. So so I think it's for Europe a good thing. I also believe that that. Um, uh, also, other markets, as the US, will tag along with uh, uh, with this initiative, as we've seen with uh, with privacy uh, regulation. So, all in all, I think in the long run, is it's uh, basically a good thing. Okay, very positive sentiment. Well, luckily, I sh I share that sentiment. <laughs> I was thinking this is really great for bringing, as you mentioned, traditional finance, decentralized finance, sort of together uh, into a sort of a like you say, a more you know, bringing more certainty into the market, seeing things as traditional investment products. I think overall, I share your opinions, and I hope that we're all right. So let's meet back up in here in a few years and uh, um, look back and see whether we were horribly wrong or hopefully <laughs> very, very correct, maybe even under-optimistic. That'd be the best thing. Thanks uh, for joining us today, Bill and Mia. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Ryan, and thanks for hosting this, uh, this podcast. No problem, and thanks, Carsten. Yes, no, thank you very much for having me. It was, uh, it was great fun together. Great. And thanks to everybody for listening. We hope you really enjoyed it. And we'll see you next time on the Two Tokens podcast. That was it for today's podcast. Thank you for listening in and please subscribe so you don't miss out on our upcoming episodes. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find our contact details at www.twotokens.org.